begin again tonight, um, and I say begin again, this is where we've, we've started for the last uh, two Wednesdays, in 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and um, we'll just use this as a jumping off uh, point um, for the things that uh, Father has for us, praise God. All right, um, are you blessed? Everybody good? Everybody okay? Amen. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and uh, verse number 5. A word of encouragement from the Holy Spirit um, through Paul to Timothy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Um, This is from the King James Version. The New King James Version translates unfeigned faith to genuine faith. And while that's an accurate translation, I prefer the King James Version here because the word feigned, um, which is the opposite of unfeigned, uh, means simulated or pretend, simulated or pretend. So when Timothy was commended for his unfeigned faith, that there's a such thing as unfeigned faith, uh, non-genuine faith, um, simulated or pretend um, faith, right? In other words, if, if, there's, if there's something as... Uh, like, for instance, when Jesus said, Father's searching for true worshipers. In other words, if, if, if there is a such thing as a true worshiper, then, then that also tells me that there's a such thing as, as someone who is not a true worshiper. Are you, are you with me tonight? Is, is this making sense to you? So, so the idea then that he's commending him for his genuine faith, his unfeigned faith, tells me that, that some... And I believe in our day and age, um, it's quite a few uh, have, instead of genuine faith, they have a, a feigned, simulated, or pretend faith. Let me talk to you for a moment about this word simulated. If, if something is simulated, and you can get um, simulated just about anything in, in our world today, um, uh, I, I, what is a simulated cheese product? I mean, you know, that's like, what in the world, man? I, you know, um, but if you notice, the things that are often simulated are precious things. Something that is uh, very valuable. Something that is uh, very expensive. Uh, something that is uh, very precious. Um, there's always been, but with the technology that we have today, um, you just about have to be an expert to tell the difference between a real diamond and a simulated diamond. Um, that's how good they've got at, um, at making uh, fake ones, or we could say feigned ones. So when we talk about faith and faith being simulated, feigned faith, simulated faith, we have to understand that the reason faith is 
uh, is simulated in some people or by some people. It's the same reason diamonds are simulated. Uh, gold is simulated. It's because true faith, genuine faith, the Bible says, is precious. As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter 1 and 7, it says faith that's authentic, faith that has been proven, is more precious than gold. It's more valuable than gold. It, it's, it's a thing of, be, it's, it's, it's a thing of, of, of great expense, of great worth. Um, and, and so when we talk about something that is simulated, it's often things that are, are precious, or we could say it another way, things that are, are difficult to come by. Um, and, and, and so, uh, you know, what's, what's the deal? You can, you can get the simulated crab meat. What in the world is that, man? It just sounds like a stomach ache waiting to happen, doesn't it? Um, but again, it's something that kind of is colored. It, it looks like, and so the idea then behind um, something that's simulated, it's it's um, it's something that has been created in the likeness of something else to have the appearance or characteristics of something else. Uh, something that looks real in every way, but is not real. So if you've ever looked at that simulated crab meat, you know, they actually color it. They put dye in it. They, in other words, they, in, in every way they try to make it look like crab meat, uh, make it have that same texture as crab meat when you eat it. You know, but it's simulated. It's, it's, it's not the real thing because real crab meat, you know, you have to get it out of cold waters in a dangerous place and all other stuff, and it's very expensive. So again, it's something that is simulated. So when we talk about genuine faith, again, authentic faith, genuine faith, is something that is very precious. It's very beautiful. Um, it's, it's very powerful. Um, and it's something that requires uh, effort and cooperation on our part. And since some folks don't understand or are not willing to put the time and effort into developing the measure of faith that they've been given, they simulate faith in their lives. So how do they do that? Well, simulated faith is like simulated anything else. It's, it's when we try to take the characteristics of faith, right, the, the flavor of faith, the look of faith, the sound of faith, um, the actions of faith, and substitute all of that uh, in an effort to cut the corners, uh, take a shortcut uh, from what is required to develop the measure of faith that we have been given. Amen? Are you with me tonight? So we've said that genuine faith is a function of the heart, but pretend faith is a function of the head. And there's a huge difference between being convinced and trying to convince yourself. Now, I want to get into some other stuff tonight, but let's try to maybe at least put the lid on, on this understanding of simulated or feigned faith tonight. Um, and I want you to think of it this way. If we look at genuine faith, are you hearing me? If we look at unfeigned faith, authentic faith, genuine faith, and of course there's examples in this room of that, 
But let's just, for stability, for, for our study's sake, let's, let's go back to our two case studies that we've been looking at. And, and those two case studies um, are Abraham and David. And specifically, uh, although these men did other things by faith, specifically when Abraham offered Isaac on an altar as a sacrifice to God, and when David went and faced and ultimately killed Goliath. Are you with me? Um, both of those men um, did the things that they did um, by faith. That was an expression of genuine faith. Now, if, if we are to understand simulated faith, um, we have to begin with what simulated anything is. And that's when you take the characteristics of something and try to substitute those characteristics in place of the real thing. So when we talk about characteristics of faith, are you with me? When we talk about characteristics of faith, there are two that stand out. And those two characteristics involve speaking, confessing, a faith confession, and then what the Bible teaches us about corresponding actions. In other words, faith is expressed through words, through confession, through speaking. Am I right about this? Are you with me tonight? And it's expressed through actions, through taking a step of faith. When Jesus said to Peter, um, well, for that, first of all, He said to everyone in the boat, don't be afraid, it's Me. And Peter said, if it's you, bid Me to come. And Jesus says, come. So He heard the Word, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. It, it, it released faith. It, it brought faith. It activated, aroused faith inside of Peter. And then Peter acted on that faith. He stepped out of the boat and he walked on water. Now you say, but he sank. But he walked before he sank. And the only reason he sank is he took his eyes off of Jesus and redirected um, his thoughts, words, and actions to the way things looked, seemed, and felt. And he began to sink. When you think you sink. We preached a sermon on that uh, back during the summer. But the point I'm trying to show you is that Peter acted on the faith that was awakened in his heart. And when he released, when he expressed that faith and released that faith through action, we see the result of his faith. However brief it was, we still see that those results. Are you, st are you with me tonight? All right, now, for someone to say, that all you got to do to walk on water is get out of the boat because that's what Peter did. See, in other words, you're trying to, you're trying to, to take Peter's expression of faith, what he did to release the faith that was in him, and, and just simply you know, bring that over and, and impose that, transpose whatever that on, into your situation. Well, you know... I don't know if you've ever stepped out of your fishing boat uh, to walk on water. That's exactly what Peter did. 
But just simply imitating or mimicking His actions is not the same as faith. That, that would be simulated faith. You're trying to take the characteristics of His faith and substitute them in your life in place of what was in, already existing in His heart. Him walking on water was the expression, however brief it was, it was the expression of something that He was fully convinced in the moment that He could do. And He did. Jesus rebuked him when he got back into the boat and He said, Oh, you have little faith. And you've heard me say it before. The word could have been, and I think should have been, translated, Oh, ye of brief faith. Because as long as he was operating in faith, he walked on the water. Now you say, well, Pastor Mark, how how could he just that fast um, have enough faith? Because what you're telling us, it seems like it, it takes some time to develop faith. It takes some time to cultivate faith. Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. But remember, I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth. He didn't walk on water very long. But, in addition to Jesus speaking directly to him, telling him to come, he had before him, and this is a key word in all of this, He had before Him the image, a living, breathing... This is not a dream. This is not a movie. This is not make-believe. He had before Him, witnessing with His own eyes, the image of a human being walking on water. Now, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but when you look at Abraham's genuine faith when he offered Isaac on that altar. The Bible says that he had already received Isaac raised from the dead in a figure. In other words, part of what I think the Holy Spirit is saying to you and me about genuine faith is that genuine faith is not blind faith. Genuine faith is when you see something inwardly in your heart through the eyes of faith that is bigger than anything you see outwardly opposing you in this world. David saw Goliath. David did not deny that Goliath existed. David did not pretend that there was no Goliath. He did not confess that there was no giant. He did not look around and say, what giant? He addressed Goliath. He spoke directly to Goliath. He realized that Goliath was bigger than him. He realized that Goliath was mean. He realized that Goliath was a warrior from his youth. He realized all of that stuff. But the one thing that David realized above all else is that Goliath was not bigger than his God. And, and, that, and that God was greater than Goliath. He wasn't afraid of Goliath because he didn't compare himself to Goliath. He compared Goliath to is God. This was the same David who sat around for hours singing about the greatness of God. 
This was the David who sat around for hours singing about the goodness of God, the benefits of knowing God, the, the, the goodness and kindness of God, the ability of God to deliver. He sat around and he focused on that. He dwelled on that. He sang about that. He meditated that. He muttered that to himself. He, he, he I think, out there as a little kid in the middle of the night with predators trying to kill his daddy's sheep, he used that to combat the Fear. Fear. He'd hear animals. He'd hear predators. He, he you know, and, and it would terrify him. Come on now, think back to when you was a kid. And, and you know, security blankets and, and all that stuff. And so David felt vulnerable. He felt exposed as a kid. And, 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 and so how did he combat that? How did he push through that? He got his guitar out. He got his harp out. He played on that harp and he sang to God. And the presence of God came. And he began to sense the presence of God. And as he sensed the presence of God, he, he was very keenly aware that, that when the presence of God came, that, that fear, that, that panic, that... That, that paranoia that, that, that tormented him also left. Are you seeing this? And so he just out there, man, praising God, developing his faith, and now all of a sudden a bear comes, and, and, and rather than running, he rises up in faith and, and kills the bear. And then a lion comes. He, raises, he rises up in faith and kills the lion. So now, when it's so now, so now, authentic faith. This is a faith that's been proven. So he shows up, not with some some, you know, secret spear. He doesn't show up with a rifle. They didn't have rifles in 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 their day, right? It wasn't like he pulled out a bolt action thirty thirty and said, "Watch this," you know. Obviously, but he had a secret weapon. One that was more precious than gold. He had genuine faith. So he didn't face that giant afraid. He didn't didn't face that giant with his knees knocking. Because he had developed something over time inside of him that was genuine. That didn't carry him halfway to the giant and then... He panicked because he realized that he's exposed and nobody else has come with him and the rest of the army, you know, and, and all these thoughts, who do you think you are? You can't, no, no. There's a, there's a gentleman, Alex, I want to say, and if I'm wrong on the name, forgive me, I want, G-R-I-N-O-L-D, something like that. Um, he is a mountain climber, free solo, meaning he climbs by himself without any ropes. And he climbs granite faces like in Yosemite. Stuff that takes experienced teams of climbers to climb like in two or three days. He'll do it in an afternoon. 
And they were talking about how other climbers, some, some of them are jealous of him and they just badmouth him, but others who understand and appreciate not just his physical ability, okay? Because what he does is more than his physical ability to do it. It's his ability to control the panic. Right? His ability to control the panic. And they were showing, National Geographic did a documentary on him, and, and, and they were showing at one point where he had made it to a ledge about this wide, and he was, and he was standing there, and, and you think he's resting. He confesses that he was actually freaking out in fear, and he had to stop there and back under control so that he could finish the climb. Okay? Now, that obviously is something that is physical in nature, but there are parallels to what we're talking about here, right? To where we learn how to stand, and when we've done everything that we know to do to stand, the Bible tells us to do what? To keep standing. When, when the enemy is bringing all kinds of thoughts and, and false evidence appearing real against us, and we're able you know, to keep standing and to keep confessing and to keep believing. Are you following what I'm saying? See, th this, is, this is strength the faith. This is, you know, the, the devil comes, remember, he, he comes because if he doesn't bring some resistance, you're just going to walk all over him and take everything, you know, that God has, uh, you know, for you. But the devil rolls the dice every time, every time he brings some kind of test or trial or temptation against you. Because if you don't give in, all he's going to succeed in doing is strengthening the measure of faith that's inside of you, right? And, and, and He's going to make it even, even more precious and, 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 and of, of greater substance. And, and see, part of it, listen to me please, I'm not trying to give you some rhyme or riddle here, is you know, the Bible has a lot to say about our confidence, being confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. In other words, the idea is, the faith that you have is enough right now to move mountains, walk on water, and raise the dead. It's just you don't have, I don't have the kind of confidence that we need to have in the faith that we have. There's a difference there. You hear what I'm saying? The confidence that we have. The gentleman who climbs those mountains, he'll tell you that he has confidence in his ability. He, he has confidence in his ability. In other words, he can, he can climb you know, eight feet up, up a, a mountain face. So the idea is if he can climb a really hard thing for eight feet, he can climb one for 16 feet, right? Or he can climb one for 160 feet. You, you, you see, the only, the only thing difference is the consequences if you fall from eight feet versus 160 feet. You, you, you understand? And it's those consequences that create the panic He's able to recognize, he, in other words, he focuses on his ability 
to climb that and he, instead of the fear that prevents other people from doing it. Are you following me? So when we talk about walking these things out and our faith you know, being strengthened through the things that, that we engage and, and uh, uh, keep standing when, when it doesn't seem like it's working and all this other stuff, um, that's just the enemy, right? We're not ignorant of his devices. Uh, but when we stand our ground, we're, we're growing and becoming stronger in the measure of faith that we've been given. Amen? Okay, so let me, let me there's so much here. Let, let me try to go back to this, and, and maybe this is all we'll have time for tonight to finish this part. So, it's not a trick question. Um, when David went and killed Goliath by faith, the Bible says he did it by faith, he accomplished that task by faith, an impossible task. Did he make a faith confession? And the answer is yes, he did. He released his faith by confessing to Goliath, by speaking to the mountain of a man that was Goliath. Did he mix actions with his faith? Not a trick question. Yes, he did. As, as, he, as he went to fight Goliath, but before he did that, remember, he went and got the rocks that he was going to use. And then Saul says, why don't you wear my armor? And David, remember what he said? David said, thank you so much, king, but I don't have any confidence in that. See the confidence there. I don't have any confidence in that. Now, his confidence ultimately was in God. You say, well, could he not have trusted God more with the armor than without the armor? Well, yeah, except for the other side of that coin would have been, I have a greater chance of surviving this with the armor on than without the armor on. But what is that? That's doubt. That's i got to put this armor on in case this doesn't work. Now, if he had killed the bear with a suit of armor on, if he had killed the lion with a suit of armor on, he, he may have had confidence in that. It's not that he had confidence in the rock, but he had used the rock before, and God had helped him with the rock before, right? And so that was, that was how it had been used, that's how his faith had operated in the past. That's where his confidence was. It wasn't in the armor. So notice, he's getting the rocks, but he's also turning down the armor. Now he's going to actually fight him. He's in, you know, walking down the mountain into that valley to fight him. And as he goes, he is confessing, he's speaking, he's releasing his faith. Okay, now let's swap over to Abraham. Did Abraham make a faith confession? He absolutely did. Matter of fact, he, he told the men, he said, me and the boy 
are going to sacrifice and me and the boy, we will return. We will return. Okay? Now, did Abraham mix actions with what he believed? Faith without works is dead. Were there any works or corresponding actions with his faith? Absolutely. He got the firewood. He put the firewood on Isaac's back. He carried Isaac with him up the mountain. He built an altar there. Isaac helped him. He, he laid the wood down. He put Isaac on the altar. And he even raised the knife. Right? Isaac asked the question, uh, Dad, we've got everything here but an animal to sacrifice. And Abraham says in faith and also prophetically that the Lord Himself will provide the sacrifice. Right? Okay. Is that faith speaking? Yeah, that's faith speaking. Okay. He even raises the knife to plunge it into Isaac's chest when the Lord stops him and there's a ram whose horns have gotten caught in a, a, a thicket of vines, and the Lord did provide, but of course He was speaking prophetically of Jesus. All right? So we see then characteristics of faith here that we need to learn from. And again, those obvious characteristics are people who express faith and release faith, they do it by speaking, confessing, and they do it by acting upon the Word of God. But simulated faith is when we try to take the words and the actions and substitute them for being fully convinced in our hearts. David was fully convinced when he fought Goliath, genuine faith. Abraham fully convinced when he offered Isaac. Now, I believe we can reach a level of being fully convinced quicker than those men because those men weren't born again. Those men didn't have the Spirit of God living inside of them. Those men didn't have the New Testament. But I think it's pretty clear, and I'm going to show it to you in other places in Scripture, that we have to take the measure of faith that we've been given and we have to feed it. We have to grow it. We have to step out on it. We have to respond to God when He speaks to us. We, we have to allow Him um, to, uh, to, to uh, direct us. And then when He directs us to speak or when He directs us to act or when He directs us to give, then we have to step out and do that. Amen. Amen. Now, we've already received an offering. It's not about receiving money. This isn't about money. It's not about me trying to get money from you for this church. So please hear me. But finances is, 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 a, is a really key area where we can grow in this, right? Because it's very easy to say that if I had this much money, then I would pay my tithes. Or if I made this. And the Bible clearly says that if you will not give when you have a small amount of money, you will not give when you have a large amount of money. And you can say, well, that's not true, I would, but you're saying God's not true and I'm going to take Him over you. Okay? So, no, notice the point here. Because we're not talking about giving as a show. We're not, we're not talking about, you know, giving from your surplus. Anybody can do that. 
Heathen people do that all the time. We're talking about giving by faith. That's a completely different offering. That's a completely different gift. We're talking about giving in response to what God has said, both already in His Word, but then when He prompts you as an individual to do something for another person, give something to somebody else, give over and above what your normal tithe or offering would be because this is... Amen. You follow what I'm saying? So as the Lord begins to prompt you, as He begins to lead you, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So when we hear from His Word or when we hear from Him, it brings faith up in us. But now we've got to release that faith, express that faith through action. And when we do that, we go from faith to faith, from faith to faith. And that's how we grow. That's how we develop this. If it, if it works this way with other people, then, amen, I, I'll stand to be corrected. But you don't start by raising the dead. Amen. I heard Chris Pilkerton say this one time, and it's true. He says, and you don't start by making your children your faith experiments either. It doesn't mean that we don't pray and lay hands on our kids. But it's got to begin with you. It's got to begin... Are you following saying me personally? You personally. Very easy to say to another person, I'm believing with you, brother. Well, are we really? Is that just something we say now? I've started like when people say... Uh, a dear friend of mine, um, Donna Moore, she's one of the ladies' counselors at the foundry. She sent me a text early, early this morning. Her grandmother passed in the night, and I, I think that was unexpected. And, and um, so I responded to her, among other things. I, I, I began with praying now. I've responded to some of you in this room with that, that, that kind of, you know, Pastor, this is going on. Would you please pray? Praying now. Why do I do that? Because it's very easy to say, I'll pray for you, brother. And we never do. We meant it when we said it, but we never do. We, we get busy and maybe we remember whatever. So the idea is, if somebody respected me enough to say, this is what's going on in my family, would you please pray? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. I can do that driving. I can do that in the shower. Matter of fact, that's... She told me that. I said, pray now. I've gotten the shower praying for her. I didn't know she was asking me because I'm, quote, technically her supervisor. She had to get time off approved by me, you know. And so the, her next thing was, can I, you know, can I please be off work today with my family? And, of course, 20 minutes later, I got the shower, and I'm like, oh, man, left her hanging. Absolutely. You know? um, but the point I'm trying to make is let's deal with that now. Let's do that now. But very easy to say believe in praying. Anyway, let's, let's get back to it, though. Are we really exercising our faith? Did you hear that word, exercising our faith? Our faith gets stronger when we exercise it. Amen? All right, are you getting anything out of this? All right, stand with me. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, next week we're going we're gonna to move to another case study and we're going to see where the Bible says a woman 
said within herself. That's what David did. That's what Abraham did. These men grew in faith, from faith to faith, by saying in themselves, not just to themselves, saying inside of themselves, until, until an image was produced, an image of victory, an image of resurrection. Abraham had already, inside of himself, he had already seen him stabbing Isaac in the heart with that knife and then burning his body as a burnt offering to God. And then in himself, he had already seen Isaac raised from the dead. Can I tell you who he actually saw raised from the dead? He saw Jesus raised from the dead. He thought it was his son. It wasn't his son. He saw, he saw Jesus raised from the dead. You realize we have no account of anybody ever being raised from the dead. At least if we're going to believe for resurrection from the dead, we've got some record of it in the Bible. We have no biblical record of anybody being raised from the dead. And yet Abraham has so grown in his faith, so fed his faith um, by giving glory to God that now inside of himself he sees, not blind faith, he sees through the eyes of faith Abraham being raised from the dead. That's why there was no fear in him going up that mountain. Why he wasn't trying to simulate faith with his knees knocking saying, me and the boy are going to return. Oh, me and the boy are going to return. His mother's going to kill me if we don't. No, that... No, 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 no. No, no, no. Amen. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the things that you're revealing to us. Thank you for helping us see these things. Father, I, I don't, I'm not wanting folks to be offended at me. I'm not wanting folks to, to get the wrong understanding of, of what we're talking about here, Father. This is, this is so important for us to understand. Father, Authentic faith is more precious than gold. And forgive us, Father, either deliberately or intentionally trying to substitute simulated faith by, by just taking the characteristics of faith and, and putting forth something in our lives that looks like faith that's really not backed up by, by, by something in our heart, Lord. Help us, Lord. Let everything we put our hands to, Father, the rest of this week prosper for your glory. We're expecting, Father, an abundance of unearned, undeserved favor in our lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Thank you for being here.